This is the Kaniac Report. I am Sam Wallace. And I am Sam Driscoll. And you know what? What? The Carolina Hurricanes have added another all-star player. Yes, we have. So, wow, it has been two weeks, Sam, since our last episode. That was, it was a nice break, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I went to Florida for a weekend. It was relaxing and enjoyable. 10 out of 10 recommend riding Guardians of the Galaxy roller coaster. Really? Anyone who has a chance to go ride it should. Interesting. Well, uh, we're happy that we're back, though. And uh, to start things out, we're going to... um, and with uh, the World Junior Cup that ended on the 20th of last month, uh, Canada wins it. No surprise there, obviously, because if you look at Canada's roster, it's very good with high-end prospects. But there are two, um, one on the Canadian team and the other on the Finnish team. Both are defensemen. Both played pretty well. Aleski Hamosalmi um, got like... I believe around eight points in seven games and was, uh, had a good plus number as well. He's a defenseman and Ronan Seeley got a plus 10 on Canada. Makes sense because of how powerful the Canadian roster is. But Ronan Seeley got, I believe, seven points in seven games. So both defensemen were really doing well for us in the, uh, World Junior Cup. And, now we're going to get to actual NHL news. Uh, Romanoff uh, signs a three-year, $2.5 million contract with the Isles. He got traded to the Islanders from Montreal. Uh, how do you feel about that uh I don't know. Contract? I don't really feel the Islanders got better. Um, I know I you'll hear me kind of talk about how I think every team got better in the Metro with um, our guest this week, but I... I misspoke there. I, other than the, I said only the Flyers didn't. I, I also don't think the Islanders did. They didn't do anything. They didn't make any big splashes. They didn't make any big signings. They didn't draft a difference maker. They haven't done anything that's worth it. Islanders will probably bring up the bottom with Philadelphia this year, like they did last year. I mean, they're just not. They're not a good team. They fired their coach for no reason. That wasn't the problem. So I don't. I. Good for them for keeping a player they traded for, I guess. I mean, I don't know what you want from me there. Uh, I, I don't feel like Lula Morello. I think he's overrated as a general manager. Kind of cheap. So. I'm not a big fan of Lula Morello, mainly because if you look at the contracts, all of them are like long-term extensions with these players. Uh, to me, that brings concern. And the other is... I mean, I'm not really going to blame him on the Barry Trotz decision because for Barry Trotz, from what I heard, that was a personal decision of him not wanting to return. But considering how well he coached the Islanders, there's going to be huge expectations for this new head coach of theirs. And I just don't know if they're going to meet those expectations. I don't really think they are. 
I don't think they have the pieces. They don't really have anybody who's a difference maker on the team. The closest some, one is Barzell. Yeah, for sure. He's a good player, but I mean, I wouldn't even put him up there with Aho or Svechnikov. He's good. He's fine, right? He on almost like good playoff teams. He's probably a second line player, kind of like Trocheck. I'd probably put him in the same category as Trocheck. So a solid, good second line player who can play up if you need him to on that first line. But I mean, I, I don't yeah. see them. I don't think the Islanders are a playoff team. Yeah, we'll we'll see. And also uh, news for you guys um, during the last half of this episode you're going to hear sam talking with uh scott burnside i'm sure that was a fun conversation it was i think you all enjoy it for sure we kind of go over kind of what we think the season's going to be like a little bit of discussions on the cap the players um i think you'll enjoy it it was fun we look forward to having on uh and next week we'll have another surprise guest we won't release the name just yet but we've got it planned Yes, we do. And uh, the next player who also signed with the um, Islanders was Noah Dobson. Now, Dobson, I, I like him as a good top four defenseman. Signs a three-year, $4 million contract. I think that was pretty fair of yeah. a contract. I think that's probably one of the best contracts Lamorello has signed, in my opinion. Because I think three- and four-year deals are, I mean... I think they're better than eight-year deals because there's not that much of a risk. With, no, with I mean, them. they're not. Unless you get them on bargain. Like, I think Coach Kenyemi's contract could it, – it, I mean, it can be a bargain. If not, then you're paying a player who probably will do about what George Stahl would, did for us for a long time except cheaper. So, yeah, I don't see – you know, eight-year deals are good if they're at a good price. Svechnikov's contract's cheap. That's team-friendly. So – We'll see. I don't really know. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, short-term contracts are always safer. <laughs> That's why you have uh, Stasny. Yes. At and, one year, like and, we signed him. So we'll get to that in a minute, too. Yes. Um, and uh, next player, Phil Castle, ev- eventually signed with the team, and that was Vegas. A one-year, $1.5 million deal. That's not bad. Uh, but they don't have a lot of cap space. No, so. but they're trying to replace some offense that they lost. So, Especially yeah. with the Pacioretty trade. Yeah, I mean, even if they hadn't traded Pacioretty, he would have been injured at some point anyway. You would assume that this injury was going to happen no matter what team he was playing for. But, yeah, I mean, Vegas is Vegas. I, I, I'm surprised to a degree they were able to get a player like that to go there. I wouldn't want to go play for that management or that organization just with how they've treated players, especially players of the caliber of, you know, Marc-Andre Fleury. He got really, really treated poorly by Vegas. So I don't know. So, yeah, uh, good luck to Phil Castle in Vegas. And the next player, JT Miller, signs a huge contract with Vancouver. Um, I feel like that one was a surprise to a lot of people because of all of the trade rumors that have been going around. Yes. Now, there are some Vancouver fans that I know that were really happy JT Miller uh, resigned with Vancouver because they felt like he didn't really needed to be traded. No, um, I mean, there really was no reason to trade him other than maybe to give cap space. Yeah. But, I mean, he's a solid player, goal scorer. I know your dad had, like, desperately wanted JT Miller to come to Carolina for a little while. I think that was rumored that that was a potential landing spot if they moved him. 
But at the end of the day, he stays put, and I think that's good for, for Vancouver. Yeah, good for Vancouver. And I never actually seen JT Miller stating he wants out Neither of have I. Vancouver. So, I mean, it, I mean, yeah, it might come as a surprise with all the rumor mill rumors going on. But, I mean, Miller staying in Vancouver, I can see why. Um, another player that signed with uh, Dallas was Jake Ottinger, a three years, $4 million deal. I think that is a very good deal for a player who really showed up in the playoffs against Calgary. He was standing on his head. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, they got their goalie of the future right there. This is still a three-year prove it deal because he really showed up in the playoffs. They want to make sure they can do it again. It's a low-term, low-dollar amount for a starting goalie. Four million is pretty solid. I mean, we're playing. We're paying. I believe uh, Anderson a little bit more than that. And Anderson was an All Star, so yeah, it's a solid deal for a young goalie, a good young goalie. So I mean, that's a no brainer for for Dallas there. I mean, I'm sure he wants the three years only, so he could potentially make seven, eight, nine million after those three years. Yeah. So he, you know, for him, he's betting on himself too. Yeah, so uh, good for Jake Gottinger. And uh, one thing I do want to talk about with when it comes to the goalie market, I don't know, especially after the signing of Bobrovsky, that I don't know if teams are willing to pay $10 million just because Bobrovsky hasn't really lived up to the contract. He, I mean, he was better this past season than his first two seasons with Florida. For sure. But I don't know if teams are willing to do that unless you're Martin Brodeur or Dominic Hoshik or Patrick Raw. Yeah, and I mean, t- it was like a max deal, too, for him. So he's definitely not playing $10 million worth of play. So No. I don't know. I, I don't think he'll get that kind of a deal, but you know, maybe like a four or five by seven. Yeah. In the future, but I don't see goalies getting term a lot lately either. So. Yeah, because one bad season can put a huge, huge bit of doubt into the management when it comes to the goaltending side, oh, for sure. Um. So the next uh, topic we're going to talk about is a, a couple of trades. Have happened now with Vegas. They got Aiden Hill from San Jose for fourth round pick. We kind of saw that coming because we knew Robin Leonard was going to be out for the rest of the season with Vegas. They needed another goalie. Yeah, I mean you got to go out and get someone to play in net. Uh, I don't even know if Leonard will ever play a game in Vegas again. I don't think he really wants to be there. So. Yeah, so we'll see. I do know uh, Aiden Hill, when he was with San Jose, he was such a king killer because he was always really good against us for some reason. Well, good thing is we only play Vegas twice, so <laughs> only got to worry True. about it twice. And um, another uh, signing, this was a huge one. Tage Thompson signs uh, or re-signs with Buffalo for seven years, $7.142 million deal. Uh, I think that was a pretty – I mean, there's some risk in this signing, obviously. But considering how well he did last season with Buffalo, they're willing they're willing to gamble on him being uh, part of the core. Yeah, Buffalo. I mean, it's a good deal. It kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, Svetch, right? It's a good you know, term. It can end up being really, 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 really good for him, right? So and I really don't think he would any kind of regress – to the point of where that deal not work out. 
worst case I think it happens here is the deal just ends up being at face value, which is still fine, but it's also has the potential to be a really team friendly deal, which is good. Um, Buffalo's getting better, right? I do think and Skinner's been playing better, so the the team's future is bright. Yes, and Buffalo's a team that needs good contracts, especially after the Jeff Skinner contract yeah. signing. And for a while, after he had a really bad year, there was rumor that they'd buy him out. Yeah, so, there was. But he played really well, so. And, and good for Skinner. I've always liked Skinner. It's just that work ethic is questionable. Yeah, and I think times. he's going to be I think he's doing better as well, so that's a good thing. Yes, and um, there was another trade. This is more of a cap dump type of trade, but Anaheim gets a defenseman and Dmitry Kulikov, and Minnesota gets future, future considerations. considerations. So, yeah, that deal is just a Minnesota can dump cap, but I guess Anaheim gets a defenseman that they felt like they needed. And he he's a good defenseman. He is, but they, like I said, Minnesota needed the dump cap. Anaheim had yeah, the they cap did. room. So they're probably trying to get to the cap floor at that point with that deal. So. A trade that... M- I might see come with Carolina soon. Hey, well, a cap dump and move. You got to have a team willing to take Gardner. So, if that's the way they choose to go, yes. And now we're finally getting into Kane's news. Um, first topic I want to talk about is the Kane's hire a new head coach for the Chicago Wolves, uh, Brock uh, Sheehan, and apparently Brock Sheehan uh, has. Pretty good championship pedigree, according to Don Waddell. And that's really good. And also, he, he's really good at developing prospects, too. And that's what that's a coach that you need in the AHL. One who can win, but also develop your prospects. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, it's expected there, especially in Chicago, right? I mean, that's a team. You know, this is a, a, a group of players, an organization who's used to winning. So you expect it. So that's a good move to keep up that kind of culture down there. Yes. And the former head coach is actually an assistant coach, I believe, with one of the NHL teams right San Jose. now. San Jose. Correct. Yes. So good for him on uh, his career as a uh, coach. I can't remember his name. Do you remember his name? Orsovsky. Orsovsky. That's right. Yep. So good for Orsovsky. And another um, – Topic that we're going to talk about is uh, Kane signing a prospect, Antti Hanka, to an entry-level contract. Guess what? He's another Finnish prospect. Big shock there. Carolina liking Finnish players. Uh, we'll see what he does, right? It'll be interesting. I don't yeah. know much about the player, but... He's a defenseman. Well, uh, that's good. We've got some defensemen who are coming up on their deals, so... So it's important to have players prepped, right? Because you have to think you don't expect Carolina to bring back Slave and Shea and Pesci. Someone's going to go. Um, I would be shocked if we bring back all three. You would think that they'd bring back Slave and will be a hurricane until I think he retires. I think he takes team-friendly deals till he retires. He doesn't want to be out of Carolina. I could see the same with Pesci. I don't know about Pesci. I could see him maybe wanting to go up to New York because that's where his family's up. Somewhere up there, Buffalo maybe. But uh, – Shea, maybe I, I don't expect him to take a team-friendly deal. It's not like he has much to behold to Carolina, but it, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, so uh, we'll uh, see. Slavin could go to Colorado that. if he if he doesn't sign here. I think Colorado is the only other place he goes. 
Maybe. Uh, I do know Slavin and his wife have made a home here in Raleigh. So that and you always get players who take team-friendly deals you know, in the league, right? You, there's always guys like that who want to stay in a spot and – money you know obviously they want to get paid but they don't want they don't care you know if it's between like a six and seven million dollar thing and the team's like we want six you'll probably be like okay we'll take six not say i mean slavin probably again it's going to be able to ask for like seven or eight maybe nine but you know he's the kind of player i could see taking the six right Uh, oh yeah i could too so uh, we'll see how our defensemen um go about with the contract extensions in the upcoming future. Now, new another piece of news from the Canes is the black jerseys are now the official home jerseys of the Carolina Hurricanes. I was so excited to hear this, actually. Yeah, surprisingly, too, it didn't seem to come with a lot of uh, support. I think a lot of fans liked it, but there was equal amount that that weren't happy about it. Oh yeah, it was it was a little bit controversial because not a lot of fans uh, like the new home jerseys. Now, my favorite ones are the old black jerseys. Yeah, I do love the new uh, black jerseys. I mean, it does sound like that they plan on doing some things with older jerseys this year. It seems to be the plant, right? With the red, it's the 25th anniversary for the Carolina Hurricanes. So it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm hoping they bring back some of the older jerseys. Oh yeah. That, that'd be really fun. Especially the jerseys they wore during the Stanley cup. Oh yeah. Six. Yeah. I mean like it would be awesome. You wear those jerseys when you play Edmonton at home, right? Wouldn't that be, you know, that that's kind of the thing that you want to see them do. That really would be fun. So, you know, bring back some of these older jerseys. It'll be it'll be fun for us as fans to, to watch and to see it. Um, it's going to be a fun season. They, they're already, I mean, releasing stuff that they're planning on doing. Some theme nights like Star Wars. That's going to be fun. Uh, but this, I, I love the black jerseys. I love the current black jerseys. So I, I'm okay with it. <laughs> I'm ho- bless you. Um, <laughs> that was my dog who sneezed. Um, I'm hoping that bless you again. Good gracious day. Um, I'm hoping that we'll have uh, some more, uh, you know, callbacks to older teams this season. Yes, and uh, the biggest Canes news is Paul Stastny signing a one-year, one point five million dollar contract. Uh, more cap uh, we that we have to dump, of course, but he is obviously going to be that replacement with Pacioretty being out. Yeah, I mean, he's not going to bring the goal-scoring pedigree that Pacioretty does, but it's not like Stasny is not a 20-plus goal scorer. So, you know, he can still score goals. Stasny is an all-star, has always been. He's a great player. You know, it's just awesome to see some of these players that we saw when we were growing up on Carolina now with Stasny, Pacioretty when he's healthy, Brent Burns, players that I never, you know, whatever have thought would be wearing a Hurricanes jersey. Now I get to wear a Carolina Hurricanes jersey. Stasny's a great leader. Brent Burns is a passion to win a cup. He's been close a few times in San Jose. This is a guy, these are players who want to win a cup. They want to win before they retire. Yes, and I, I tweeted this out, got massive um, likes and retweets and all that stuff. But Paul Stastny actually turned down more money uh, from Vegas to 
come here to Carolina, which is a sign to me that we are now a prime destination or one of those prime destinations for players to win the cup. Yeah, I mean that's true, and it's notable that I believe him and Pacioretty are close, and it's no, and it's no real, tip, you know, secret that Pacioretty didn't like Vegas. So, I, I, you know, there was no, I think, desire from Stasny to go to Vegas. So, the, you know, that that says a lot. That still says a great deal about an organization that can bring in players like Stasny, right? A player like him. Because we weren't able to do that before. No, I mean, you, you never saw Carolina going out and being able to sign it. Every free agency, it was like, no, they'll ne- no one wants to come to Carolina, right? But now it's Johnny Goudreau were one of his – we were one of his options. Jonathan Huberdeau was almost going to get traded here. We were the number two team. So – and as Elia Friedman would say, apparently we are in on all the major players. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's just how this is with this organization. It's how Don Waddell, Eric Tolsky are, and company. So they, they, if it is a good player available, Carolina is talking to him. I mean, Carolina has been in on uh, Matthew Kachuk. Matthew Kachuk. Is another one. Carolina has still, I mean, there's still rumors around. You know, Tarasenko wants to come to Carolina. I I believe I would not be surprised I, I if I were to predict I think Tarasenko will be a hurricane at some point I re- I really do maybe not this year but he's going to be a free agent next year does he come to Carolina in free agency this is the place he wants to be it seems to be that's the rumor that's what's been said that he wants to come to Carolina so I would I think it's a I think that's a player you could see in a hurricane's jersey sooner rather than later. Um, I don't think there's a desire there for him to play in St. Louis. Like once his contract's up, that's it for him in St. Louis. So, you know, Carolina has players that want to come here, not only because we're a winning team, but I, I believe because of the head coach. Exactly. Brendan Moore has such a huge passion of winning a Stanley Cup. And another thing um, that I want to talk about, because a lot of Canes fans have been wondering about this. Where is Stastny going to play? I think he plays in the top six, at least till Pacioretty comes back. You know, it's always hard to kind of place a player because you got to think, right? Your top line is going to be Ajo, Jarvis, and probably Taravainen. And your second line is Coach Kenyemi Svechnikov. So does that mean you bump Natchez down to your fourth line or third line and put Stastny up there? I would do that because Natchez, to me, especially after his performance of last season and especially in the playoffs, he hasn't proven to be a top six player. Yeah, and I think that's fair. But I also think, you know, we got to go through preseason, right? See if, if maybe Na- maybe Natchez could thoroughly impress. Because he'll get a lot of t- I think he'll get a lot of time at center in preseason. He'll probably play most of the games at center, probably in the top six, first, second line center on, on whatever group he's playing with. Um, but, you know, putting him on the fourth line, Drury and Natchez as a combo is pretty solid. And maybe put Kasha uh, on the wing and make make that – your fourth or third line. Yeah, because it depends on what we do with Jordan Stahl. Yeah, I mean the Jordan Stahl is going to be Stahl and Fast, and then maybe Martin or Kasha. I think those are the two players that are going to sit there. We can't forget Derek Stepan, Ryan Dezingle, two players. Carolina's PTOing uh, Derek Stepan. Yeah, but we've signed Dezingle to a one-year deal, entry level. He's probably going to play most of the season in in uh, Chicago. But you have some players. If you bring in Derek Stepan, you bring in. 
Brian Dezingle, you've got players who, if you call up, they've got experience. And it's not as if Dezingle doesn't have a history of being able to score or being able to play, you know, solid top six minutes. He can do it. If you, if you, if the unfortunate need arises, it's not a player that if you bring up, you're like, oh, he'll never do it again. He's got the potential to do it again. And Derek Stepan can play your top six too. He's done it before. He can do it again. So you've got a lot of young, you got a lot of players in the organization that probably have a good chance to you know excel, whether it's in Chicago or in Carolina from injury because no team gets through the season injury free. We've already seen it with Pacioretty. Exactly. So yeah, I think Stasny can play top six, but I wouldn't be surprised if he plays bottom six. Right? I mean, it could be Stasny, Stahl, and Faust. That's possible, too. You get a little scoring touch on that on that third line to replace Nina Ryder. Because I think Stasny can score. I mean, I think they're comparable in skill. He's, he's like more of a higher pa- skill. He's more of a passer, Stasny is. He's more of a good playmaker. Oh, for sure. But I also would think Stasny's higher skill than, than Nina Ryder. I could see that. So, I mean, Stasny's been more consistent in his career. Then, then you know, but I mean, Stasny's older. He's had more experience. So, yeah, I mean, you never know. Stasny, I think, can fit on the first line, second line, third line, or fourth line, and and fill in a spot. Right? If injury recalls, you can put you can put Stasny on that first first line if you feel like you want to get Aho to the center or off off of center, and you know you, you want to have two centers on that top line. You can have Aho, Stasny, and Jarvis or Teravine, and you know it's. What you want to do, if you want to have a, a second line that's a scoring powerhouse, you can have Code Kinyemi, Svetch, and Jarvis. So, you know, you've got – you have a lot of options when you bring in a player like Paul Stasny. Yeah, he's he's a great player. And one thing that I did hear about him, which made me like him more, is the fact that at times he's actually played in a lesser role, like in a fourth-line position – but he doesn't complain at all. He just he just works. And that's yes. why I like about Stasny. Yes. Stasny is a solid player. I mean, I'm pulling up his stats now just to kind of talk about what he's able to do in his career, right? In, in career playoff goals, he's got 26 goals, 43 assists, 69 points in 103 games. Solid player. He's uh he's able to come up big in playoff action. And the regular season, last season, he played 71 games. He had 20 goals, 21 goals, 24 assists, 45 points, plus 14, plus minus. That's not playing on top lines. I mean, this guy is a former, you know, he's he's never scored 30, but he's consistently scored pretty close to 20. So he's got in 1,072 games, he's got 800 points. So he's over over about a point every other game. He's a solid, solid player. I mean, this guy, I mean, in the last, in 2018-19, he had with Vegas, he had 42 points. 1920, 38 points. 2022, he only played 56 games, but he had almost 30 points. And then last season, 71 games, he had 45 points. He consistently gets almost 40 points, at least. He has only had one, two seasons where he didn't at least get 40 points. I'm sorry, three seasons. He was injured in 12, 13. He only played 40 games. And his dad was really good, too. Peter Stastny. Oh, yeah. I mean, Mostly most, known with Quebec. Or Dix, but, I mean, his whole family. This is a good. player who has gotten 60, almost 60 assists in a season before. When playing with top players, top line players, right? On Which is really why I think he might be good for Svetch. 
for because sure. of that playmaking ability, maybe Svetch can get more goals. Because we're going to need more from Svetch. We're going to need more from, I, I think, Jarvis. I think Jarvis can hit a next step this season. And I think Ajo needs to produce just a little bit more. Not much, but a little bit more. And I think if we can get more out of those players, and if Netris and KK can bounce back, I think we're a uh, number one team in the Metro division. Like I told our, uh, like I told Scott Burnside, I think Carolina is still the best team in the Metropolitan. I felt like Carolina was the best team against, you know, I think they were still better than New York. I really do. So, but we'll see if Carolina can truly, truly, truly keep their offensive touch, not just the first half of the season, but throughout the whole season. If they don't dry up in the playoffs, this is a good team. It is. Well, here is Sam's interview with Scott Burnside. We hope you guys enjoy it. Well, we want to welcome back Scott Burnside uh, to the podcast. We're really happy to have you. Um, so uh, what are your overall thoughts on what do you think uh, the season's going to look like? Are you excited? Yeah, no, I'm, well, I'm, I'm excited just in general uh, for the return of hockey. It seems like it's been, you know, just it feels like the last couple of years with COVID and, uh, and everything that happened, uh, that it did seem like last year we did sort of find our footing and back to normal. And I, I thought the off season was, you know, maybe we say it every year, but I thought the off season was incredibly um, exciting. A lot of interesting movement, you know, with the number of coaches who were changing uh, jobs and teams going in different directions. And then of course, you know, both the trades and the free agent market, um, with a lot of high-profile players on the move, and Carolina, of course, in the middle of it, as they seem to be in the middle of almost everything that happens in the NHL. Um, no stranger to that part of it, too. So, uh, a long-winded answer, but yeah, I'm really excited, and, I, and I'm really curious. You know, I put Carolina in that group of teams that you know that is you know that is they are elite, and they should be considered legitimate Stanley Cup contenders. Um, but but the, the question is, do do you have the right pieces, and and can you make it all come together when it matters the most? And I think it's probably fair to say that, you know, and whatever the circumstances were, Freddie Anderson's injury and all those kinds of things, Seth Jarvis being out at the end, it was a disappointing end of the season, right? I mean, you you lose a seven game set at home to the New York Rangers. Um, I think there's a lot of, it's a cliche, but I think there's a lot of unfinished business when it comes to Carolina. So I think that adds to the urgency and I think it adds to the excitement surrounding the team as we head into training camp in, in, in about what, three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think Carolina made some good moves. Um, Pat Charetti was one of, you know, it was a, just the trade itself was, was really, it was obviously, you know, showed how good Don Waddell, Eric Tolksey, and the, the management in Carolina is knowing, you know, how to go get a player, take advantage of some situations around the league. But with the injury to Pacioretty, obviously my one of our concerns still here is the goal score. That was the issue against New York, and you could see it a little bit down the stretch toward the end of the season as Carolina didn't have – they didn't have any natural finishers. Adam Golds made the comment, you know, you think Seth Jarvis was one of the only natural finishers on the team. I can agree. I agree. I agree with that at the time. I, with Patrick's injury, do you think Carolina's offense still is missing that piece? 
Yeah, I mean, it's a fair question, and 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 I agree, and I think it's I think I think it's fair to say, you know, Seth Jarvis was the best player night in and night out through two playoff rounds, and and frankly, given the way that lineup is constructed, that's not a great thing, right? I mean, it's great for Seth Jarvis, and it bodes well for the future, but that's not how this team is built, and and I think that speaks to, I, I just think it speaks to a team that, you know, whatever the reason, they could not find the critical production from their main players when it, when it really mattered. And I think we saw that, you know, even a little bit in Boston, you know, where they played so poorly on the road and, you know, the, the road record speaks for itself. These are all things that seemed so counterintuitive to me, given how strong they were and consistent they were during the regular season. Didn't matter whether they played at home or on the road for the most part. And I thought this was a team you know, that was ready to step into that, you know, sort of elite sphere where it doesn't matter where you play. And you see that with Tampa and you obviously saw that with Colorado. And I think when you go back over the years, the, the, the best teams in the NHL, it doesn't matter really where you're playing. And I, and, and I thought Carolina was on the cusp of being one of those teams and, and clearly they weren't. So to get to your question on, you know, do you have enough offense? To me, this is one of the great parts of this team. Uh, this year and 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 yes it's disappointing that Max Pacioretty is not going to be available to this team until you know what are we thinking trade deadline maybe before you know it's and he's a guy who has struggled you know his durability has been at issue so it's clear that the issue is going to be and my guess is that Don Waddell um, and, and Eric Tulski and Darren York and that hockey ops department and the coaching staff will frame it that the, he may be their trade deadline acquisition, right? We're sort of already projecting into next year in 2023, but he may be that kind of guy. So now in the interim, wh- where does the scoring come from? If you were counting on 30 or 35 goals for Max, Pat, Max Pacioretty, you know, Paul Stassi's probably not going to, he does not fill that void entirely, although he fills it in a, in an important way, I think. And I think Paul Sassy is going to be an important player because he can play anywhere in your top nine. He can help out in the power play. He's a great calm voice. I, I've known Paul for a long time. He, he is very, he is going to be an important voice in that room. And, and in a different way than I think that Brent Burns is going to be an important voice in that room. So there, you know, the offense on the back end, Brent Burns is going to be counted on a lot. But the the uh, the offense up front to me that's where the this this is about. I mean, you don't solve your problems for the most part by making trades or signing free agents. You're if you're a good team, your problems are solved internally, and they're solved by players you've drafted and developed. And this team has those kinds of players. But so who is that? Is it Marty Netchas? Uh, where does does he end up playing on the wing? Does he find time to play in the middle? He alluded to that at the end of the last season. I know it sort of raised some eyebrows. It, 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 there has not been a, an evolution for him that either he is a player and the team is an organization that has probably been happy with. So where does he fit in? Does he take a step forward this year? Uh, just very Kokaniemi. So does he start as the number two center? Uh, I've I've loved his game. I've loved. There's a lot of that has happened to him for a very young player. I think he's handled it with aplomb. I think he's a very mature young man. Can he follow that arc? And so, can he be that 25 goal guy? 
And if Paul Stastny is a 20 to 25 goal guy and Marty Netchas is, is he a 20 to 25 goal guy? Um, those or more for any of those three players. To me, that's the great. All right. So that's the question. These players are going to get opportunities. They're young. They're going to get opportunities from Rob Brindamore and his staff. Um, and, and, and if it's not those guys, then, then who else is it? And I, I'm, I look at, I love this roster because there are a lot of players who can step up, right? I mean, Seth Jarvis, you know, it, it, you know, can he realistically fill in, you know, what he did last year, repeat that that's a tall order for a sophomore, but he's got the skill set. I'm really curious about Andre Kasha, whose name I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing right, but case Kasha, who, uh, who is, um, I talked to a scout who said, you know, to me, that's one of those players who's a very, that's a sneaky pick because he's a high-end skill. He's a guy who could also take advantage of opportunity in the top nine, making, maybe working his way into a power play unit because he has that kind of skill set. So I guess for me, the answer, you know, is in that lineup. It, I'm just not sure where it's going to come from. And I think it's important that you have a team like, you know, when you're Carolina, it's not just the veteran guys you bring in. To me, they're they're the the complementary final pieces. I mean, Brent Burns is, you know, he's he's going to be in a Hall of Fame discussion, but he he is not going to to single-handedly win this team a cup. And I think the answer has to be from the, those younger players who will get opportunities to prove whether they're they can emerge as elite players on an elite team. I hope that makes sense. No, yeah, for sure. Do you feel then that Carolina is better now than they were at the start of last season? That's a good question. You know, I think a, a year ago, and, and there, were, there were a lot of changes made to this roster coming into the uh, 21-22 season, right? We didn't know <clears throat> what was Tony D'Angelo going to be like. Was he going to fit, you know, on, on any number of levels? And, of course, he turned out to be, you know, a, a revelation in some ways. You know, I think that my sense of it has always been that he was a respected teammate, fit in very well. Obviously, his, you know, his point production was high end. I think, you know, the fact that the team moved on from Tony D'Angelo instead of extending him, he ends up in Philadelphia with the kind of deal that I think a lot of people imagine he might sign in Carolina. But the Brent Burns ad speaks to where this team is at. You know, Brent Burns is a... He's a veteran player. He's played internationally. He's won Norris. He's not won a Stanley Cup. So he there's a hunger there that I think is important to inject in this roster. Paul Stassi's the same way. Um, so I think that, you know, those they sort of balance each other out. And I think Brent Burns coming off, you know, a couple of disappointing years in San Jose where the team really fell off a cliff. Um, so I think he's going to thrive in, in Carolina because of the structure there, because of Rod Brendamore's coaching. Um, you know, up front, I, I do think that they're in a better spot, but I mean, they're in a better spot because if you're optimistic that some of those players we talked about can really seize the moment. Um, you know, I, I think, the you know, again, no one knew a year ago that Seth Jarvis was going to make the team out of camp, let alone, you know, and to go back to it and you think about how um, – you know, slowly they brought him along. I just thought the evolution for him was so important. He earned the spot on the team, but he wasn't put in over his head. So you look back at his, you know, he was a healthy scratch for a few games, you know, limited ice time, and then really 
evolved into a, a crucial part of this team. You know, is, is, you know, is there room for another player like that in terms of Jack Drury? Does what, you know, coming off an exceptional year with an exceptional American Hockey League team that won a Calder Trophy, um, it, I think a lot of people assume Jack Drury is going to make that team. Um, what Ryan Zingle, uh, there are just a lot of moving parts here. Um, so I, I think there's reason for optimism that should at least equal the optimism that there was there a year ago. Uh, and we haven't even talked about the goaltending, but, you know, assuming good health for Auntie Ranta and Freddie Anderson, um, which is critical. And we saw how critical it was when Freddie Anderson couldn't play in playoff games. Um, that's they're still the best one, two tandem in the NHL. I mean, they won a William Jennings trophy, allowing the fewest goals. There's no reason in my mind that this team shouldn't be among the most defensive, uh, sound defensive teams. Once again, in the NHL. So yeah, no, this is a, it's a well-built team. For sure. But now we're going to see who's, we're going to see who's going to help, you know, move the pile. No, yeah. I mean, Carolina's got, you know, if Svetch takes a step, Ajo takes another step, Jarvis takes a step, that all spells for, a, at the very least, another division championship. I mean, I think Carolina is still the best team in the Metropolitan. I think I, I thought they were better than the Rangers even in the playoffs. I, I still think they're a better team than New York. I think it just their offense fell off, which which can happen to a team. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they could have been rattled, which can happen to a team. And Carolina's younger, and I think uh, Shesterkin got under their skin. I think he's one of the best goalies. We'll see if he can replicate. I mean, a lot of teams in the Metropolitan have gotten really good this offseason, New Jersey being one. I think the only one that you kind of still question is Philadelphia. I didn't really see them do much of anything other than adding Tony. But uh, what do you think? Is there is there a player that Carolina has a prospect that might not be being talked about right now to – to make the roster, but could surprise, you know, like Seth Jarvis did and, and actually make that, make that cut. Yeah. I think that's a really, it's an interesting question. And, and I think there are a couple, and again, you go back to the fact that, um, you know, that, uh, that there were so many good players uh, in Chicago as the Wolves went on and won the, the Calder trophy. And, and I think it's, you know, sometimes you can't draw a line from A to B. I mean, the AHL is, you know, it is what it is. It's a different league. It's a developmental league. Um, I would say the guy that I'm really, and there are a number of them. And I think when I look at that blue line, uh, how, you know, how the, the you know, the mix is going to be, they're going to miss Brendan Smith. Um, I really was impressed with Jalen Chatfield during his uh, time being called up. Um, and I know that he, you know, he's, he doesn't count as a prospect necessarily, but you know, Ethan bear at 25 years old, I I'm really, I, I'm interested to see how that blue line comes together. And having spent some time with Ethan bear last year, after he came out of COVID um, I know it was disappointing. I, I think a lot of people were surprised that he maybe wasn't on the move that they didn't find a taker for him to go somewhere else. But I think the fact that Ethan bear and his, representatives and the Carolina Hurricanes found a way to come up with a deal to keep him in Carolina speaks to Bears commitment to be better and to, you know, get back on that track. Um, And I think it speaks to the coaching staff's belief that he can be 
you know, an important part of that group. And, you know, we, there's just no way to, there's no way to have success come playoff time. If you don't have, you know, it's, yes, I know we talk about the top six, but you've got to have seven or eight NHL caliber defensemen. If you're going to win a Stanley cup, you, you, you just absolutely have to have that. So, you know, I'm curious, this is a really important year for, for Ethan Bear, but I think Jalen Chatfield again is a player. I, I thought he, that he played with great poise when he got the opportunity. I know there are other players in Chicago who will get an opportunity. Um, <clears throat> so those, those are the players that I'm looking for who will fill in, you know, that sort of, you know, five, six hole or five, six, seven um, coming out of camp. So I think those are important things um, because it's, again, if those players come find a place on the roster, they play important minutes. Um, those are important positions as you get towards the playoffs and deeper in the playoffs. So I'm curious about both those guys. Yeah, no, I, I think there are, our defense is deep this year a little bit more, I think than potentially last year to the point where there probably is more trust in the bottom in the bottom pairing uh, just with the options and then I guess kind of moving into to defense, you know, the biggest question mark on the roster right now, it's probably Jake Gardner. I think this hasn't gone the way I think a lot of people have projected. Is there any any news you have on his health, on his anything? Have you heard anything about Jake Gardner? I think I'm like a lot of people. I just sort of assumed, you know, is he going to retire um, but when news came out that he'd been medically cleared to play, I talked to his agent, Pat Brisson, when it first happened. And I, I, again, I, I just think that there's a lot of, there's a, there's a lot of tra- road to travel, right? He's still got to come to camp. He's got to show that he can know that he's still healthy. Um, you know, that he's, uh, you know, that he can still play. He has a modified no trade clause, according to Cat Friendly. So he's got a 17 no trade list that he can submit. Um, you know, is I, I don't know what happens with Jake Gardner. Um, I do know that, you know, when he played, even though there was there was criticism of his level of play, and it's been, you know, a couple of years now, um, very well liked in that room, terrific teammate. Um, you know, it's, it's hard, you know, listen, they, they have cap issues. Um, so, you know, what happens with the LTIR, how are they going to massage that? Where does Jake Gardner fit into that? I'm just looking here Jake Gardner's, you know, he's got one more year at $4.050 million. So that's, that's a, that's not nothing. So that has to be taken care of. Um, I, there are lots of options, though. and and, and I, I, it will be interesting to see, you know how how that how that plays out. I, I honestly, I don't. I, I think it's fair to say that there aren't are a lot of people who are imagining that Jake Gardner will will be in the opening night roster. Um, it's hard to imagine that could happen, but a lot of things can happen. You know, between the start of training camp and and opening night, right? I mean, players surprise. If you have injuries, maybe your cap situation becomes a little bit more fluid, depending on, you know, other things that happen. So, you know, never say never. But I think I'm with a lot of people who would be very surprised if Jake Gardner's in that opening night roster. So so kind of along those lines, you kind of mentioned the cap. Carolina is technically 
over the cap, I think, by two million, roughly. Yeah. Memory serves. Well, obviously, when they put Pacioretty on LTIR, they're going to have about five or ish million to to wiggle with for now until he comes back. So Carolina is still going to be in cap cap trouble when he comes back. Yeah. And if Pacioretty hadn't been hurt, they'd be in cap trouble. So I guess the question is, is does there do you get the sense that there's a plan? Is is Gardner going to be on the move? The only other player I can think of that they would consider dumping would be Martinook. And that's a shock too. Only that would only be because of his cap hit, not because of anything else. He's obviously a love player and the or the organization in the room. But other than those two players, I, I don't really see a player that Carolina has you know eyes on moving unless it was a sign and trade with Natchez, which I don't think that's the case either. No, yeah, I don't. I don't think that. I, I think the whole. I think the Gardner situation will resolve itself as it unfolds. I, I don't know which way it will go. I think it will be resolved. <clears throat> you know, it's, he hasn't played in a long time. He has to come back. He has to, you know, has to prove that he can play at an NHL caliber. Um, there are teams that, you know, might be interested in having him, you know, teams that are maybe, you know, need to get to the cap floor. Um, if he, and if he wants to play, you know, the, the opportunities in Carolina, my guess would be fairly limited. So, you know, again, lots depends on what Jake Gardner wants to accomplish and how, where he's at physically. So, um, and I thought it was interesting, you know, when the Patretti injury happened, a lot of people sort of drew a line between, you know, what that situation was in Nikita Kucherov a couple of years ago, where he would basically be warehoused until the playoffs and uh, bless you. And uh, <laughs> you know, just, you know, sort of come back magically come playoff time. I'm sure the results, if that was the option and the results could be the same, I think people would be okay with that. But my sense of Dom Waddell right away was no. And I, I just think that's, I, I agree with that, that plan. You want him in your lineup as much as possible. He's, you know, at this stage, he's not going to have played with any, you know, with, with his teammates until, you know, two thirds of the way through the season or half or whenever he gets able to come back and play, you want him in that lineup. You, I mean, that just makes sense to me. So, you know, this idea that you could use that cat space, do something else and not worry about it. Um, yeah. I mean, there, there are, I guess I always, people who fret about the salary cap and who fret about long-term deals, what's it going to look like at the end. And it's a win now business. So, I tend not to get too caught up in that because other things often happen, right? I mean, we saw the Freddie Anderson injury. Who could see that coming? Unless you're a cynic, uh, you know, so things happen. So I don't, I guess what I'm saying is, yes, you're a cap team. You've got to be wary of it. You can't have a situation where, you know, Pacioretty is back in the lineup and now all of a sudden you have to dump an everyday player. You don't, you know, this is a, this is a really good smart hockey ops group. So I don't imagine they'll get in that situation. But it, you know, when, when you play on the tightrope of being a cap team, the, this is life. So it's going to be interesting to see how it unfolds. A lot of road to travel before you need to be too worried about it. I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I've I've kind of a fan of. Uh, I've always kind of been a fan of Jake Gardner for his personality in, in the room. Yeah. I've always wanted him to succeed. You know, especially the contract. My co-host is sitting in front of me shaking his head. He's not a big Gardner fan. So, so we we disagree with, with Jake sure. Gardner. Um, I think Gardner's upside is 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 high. 
if he comes back healthy, you know, maybe the surgery improves him to the point where, you know, one of the criticisms of Carolina is we didn't have a second power play QB. Yep. Gardner history shows he can do it. He can quarterback a power play. That's his style of play. So if he comes back super healthy, maybe he shocks and builds up his trade capital to the point where maybe Carolina does have to dump him, but, and he can help the team significantly in, in the interim. And I think that's possible. I, I actually like Gardner better than bear for that third pair, but um, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm interested on in what they're going to do on defense for sure. Cause that's the, the, the interesting thing. I think the, the forwards are more or less set. Yeah. Well, and I, I think you're right. I think the question up front is <clears throat> what's the, you know, how does Rod Brindamore massage that group as opposed to the blue line, which is, okay, who, you know, what does that group look like? Who's, who's in there, who's in and who's out and wh- what's the makeup look like And And Jake Gardner's right now, he's part of that mix, right? So that, that will be, you know, that will be an important training camp story, I think. So I'll end with this. Cause this is just an interesting, you know, thought we're entering in Jordan Stahl's last year contract. Um, we'll just go with the assumption he retires. And I don't think, I don't know if that'll happen. I think he can play five more years if he wanted to. He's, he's still a very good hockey player, but if he decides to retire, he moves on from Carolina. He's the current captain of this team. Who do you think Carol, who do you think is heir apparent to the captaincy in this this organization right now? Yeah. I, you know, I'm curious too. And I'm, I'm, I have been, I've been following Jordan Stahl around since he was, I think he was 17 when he went to his first rookie camp in Pittsburgh. He hadn't turned 18 yet. And uh, I remember, you know, I remember that first year he played and talking to GM Ray Shiro and it's like, what, why you, you know, and he played it, you know, they handled in some ways it wasn't all that different from Seth Jarvis really, you know, didn't play a lot early, played very modest minutes and, but they felt they really believed that he was an important part of that team moving forward. And of course he became, you know, critical part of a team that went to a final in 08, won a cup in 09. Um, I'm with you. It's hard to imagine he won't play. It's also hard to imagine, frankly, that he, you know, that he may go somewhere else. Now, having said that, Eric Stahl's on a PTO in Florida. Mark Stahl's there. You know, Bill Zito's the GM in Florida. You know, maybe he wants to corner the Stahl market. I don't know. But, uh, you know, I, I, I must admit, it's hard to imagine you know, again, assuming a level of success this year. And so let's say this team goes to a conference final, at least it's hard to imagine that Jordan wouldn't come back and that the, that they wouldn't, the team wouldn't be able to find a way, whether it's a series of short, you know, one or two year deals or whatever it is, he's earned the respect. He, he can pretty much, he can pretty much call his shots in terms of this team. That's, that would be my thinking on it. But, you know, if you are thinking, you know, passing the torch, I don't, I don't think there's anybody else other than Sebastian Ajo, right? I mean, plays with such gravitas and, you know, I just, I see him as the, as really sort of that, um, you know, he, I think he would have the perfect countenance to be the captain of, of that team. That that's the way I would go. Yeah. I mean, I think that, or the way it seems is that it's probably going to be Slavin or Ajo, as the captain, I think they've been grooming Aho for it, giving him splitting A with Martinuk. I wouldn't be surprised if Aho had full time A this year, uh, and you know Martinuk 
got bumped off. And I mean, Martin Nook's going to be a leader in the room, whether he wears an A or not. Yeah. But I, I think it, it would be, it would be time for yeah. full time A for that reason. Yeah. I think and, and, and I agree. I agree with you. Jacob Slavin is a, is a natural as well. To me, the good teams, the, the leadership group isn't necessarily designated by a, a letter on those elite teams. So um I agree entirely that you could not go wrong. You know, if you, if you were moving on, if J, if Jordan Stahl is moving on or whatever to go with either Aho or Slavin, either, you know, both those guys have command tremendous respect in that room. Yeah. I mean, everyone knows that listens that I'm a fan of, of Jordan Stahl. I'm a fan of Eric Stahl. I'm a fan of Mark Stahl. I, I've been wanting Carolina to bring all three of them back for a <laughs> while now. I, I wanted Eric Stahl to finish his career in Carolina pretty bad. So the last couple off seasons, I had I had small hopes that maybe Carolina <laughs> would bring Eric Stahl into the fold as a, you know, been there, done that, won a cup, I can do it again, kind of a out of a of a yeah. of a thought. But um, I have I have been disappointed so far. But I also I don't think it'll happen. But you never know. You never know. I hope Eric Stahl gets to play in Florida. I still think he's got hockey left in him. Well, and then it, if that happens, then you can look forward to, you know, maybe a conference final, Carolina, Florida in the conference final. That'd be all right, too. Pretty good storylines. Yeah, well, the poor Stahl family parents are going to gonna have a have a tough one with that. Probably get cheer for Florida because it's two against one there, though. That's <laughs> true. Well, Mr. Birdside, it's been a pleasure as always, sir. Uh, enjoyed having you on. Uh, welcome anytime. Well, it's, I, I'm, I appreciate the offer and uh, enjoy our chats and uh, look forward to uh, to seeing you down the road uh, starting in training camp in about three weeks. Sounds good. If you're here, we're more than happy to chat again. Sounds like a plan. All right. You have a good afternoon. All right. Take care. Well, guys, we hope you enjoy that episode. Remember, if you like it, please hit that subscribe button and rate the episode, and leave a comment as well. Uh, We really appreciate all the support that you guys have done, and we hope to see you next week. Bye.